Plus, we wanted to honor our our uncle, Pastor Wilson Douglas III, our late uncle who passed a few years back, and give our dad his flowers, Deacon Nathan Douglas his flowers, while he was still living. They were the original Douglas boys. They used to play in churches in Louisiana, you know, go to different churches. And on the album, you hear um, our uncle talk about a story of their mom taking them to different churches and them playing. Yeah. He was singing and um, dad would play the guitar. And then eventually he started playing the keys and dad would play the guitar. And that's what they would do. So it's kind of a pass in the torch. George Floyd's mural was destroyed by lightning and some folks on Twitter are calling it an act of God. But these brothers disagree. Two adult men discover that they are brothers and unite through music. In this episode of Testimony, a musician story presented by Soundseekers, producer and rapper Flash Victorious and rapper Rifika, which stands for Righteous and Faith Increase Abundantly, share their Christian testimony. This duo, known as the Douglas Boys, were the first to do a Christian rap line dance, The Gospel Step. In this interview, the brothers talk about their debut album, Bridging the Gap. And my grandmother, Mother Brown, delivers a lusty prayer for the brothers. I am Gaelica Brown, and this is Sound Seekers Presents Testimony, a Musician's Story. <laughs> so we're going to start with your guys' first music memory, whether it be for song, um, music video, concert, whoever wants to jump in and go first. Want me to go uh, riff or you want to go? Yeah, you can talk about it. Yeah. Uh, my first musical memory is actually of my mom playing on the piano. And my mom also plays piano. So that was kind of like my first ever music memory that I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. That uh, as a kid, I sitting there playing with my toys and she was, uh, she was on the piano like days on night uh, playing because she used to be over the uh, music ministry at her church. So all I used to do is hear gospel music and hear, you know, uh, the Clark Sisters, the uh, Mississippi Mass Choir. Uh, that's pretty much my first really musical memory is my mom playing on the piano, listening to all the gospel records that she had. Uh, that's my first musical memory. Okay. I mean, that's a good one. Mom on the piano. <laughs> And what about you, Rifika? My first one, our dad plays guitar and he played in a band when we were kids called the Gifted Band and they used to practice in the den at the house. So I remember being like three years old and walking, hearing the music and it led me into the den and then they were playing and I went up in there, you know, I'll jam into the music and then he picked me up, you know. So that's that's my first memory of them, the gifted band playing whatever they were playing and hearing them being enthralled and drawn to the music as a toddler. So, I mean, your guys' first me music memory start with your family then. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> it's, it's all in the family. OK. And where were you born and raised? Houston, Texas. Yeah, both of us. I was born in Houston, Texas. Do you guys I have moved around siblings? a little more? But what I'm sorry. Do you have any other siblings? Uh, we have an older brother. Uh, and uh, I have an older sister. Okay. Yeah. I have. 
I have them two as far as blood and two older stepbrothers. So in your household growing up, who was mainly in the home with you? Do you want me to go first or does it matter? Why well, uh, Whoever wants to jump in, just trying to get the landscape <laughs> of how right, right, right. growing up with you guys. Yeah. Uh, me, uh, I grew up with, uh, in the household, it was me and my sister and my mom. So the majority of the time, it was this, uh, this us three growing up. We had cousins come in now and then, but it was mostly uh, growing up, it was mostly my mom and my sister. With me, it was a little different until I was five. My our dad and my mom were together till I was five, so he was in there. Then when I was five, um, they got divorced. So I would be back and forth through the week till I was about eight. I was at my mom's house, and then I would go to our dad's house on the weekends and stuff like that. Then after when I was eight, my mom sent me to go live with our dad. So at that point, it, it became reversed from about 18 to seven. I mean, from about eight to 17, I would go, I'd be at my, you know, at dad's house through the weekend and at my mom's house on weekends and during the summers. So it was mainly at my dad's house. It was our, it was our stepmom and our dad and our two stepbrothers, Jimmy and John. And between the two of you, who's the oldest? I am. Uh... All right. <laughs> By how many years? Uh, five, I believe. Oh. Yeah. And so was it, I'm assuming, just based off of the album but and what you guys have said so far, that it was a Christian household that you grew up in? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, they were definitely, both both sides were, were Christian. <laughs> and uh, with with our with our dad, it's kind of funny because at first he was he would play in the church and all that kind of stuff, but he still, you know, he was still doing his thing, going to clubs and all that. But probably, I, I I would say when we got in middle school, when I got in middle school, that's when he totally, you know, gave his life fully fully over to Christ, you know, and um, it was definitely a Christian household from that point on completely. And what about for the two of you, um, if Arifika wanted to start, wouldn't mind starting with, what was it for you that the defining moment where you personally gave your life to Christ? Well, you know, I grew up, I grew up in the church and I said the prayer several times when I was a kid in children's church at Lakewood and at our uncle's church, you know, and things like that. But I feel like when I truly gave my life over to Christ was when I graduated from college. Okay. Um, and the funny thing about it, I was doing Christian rap and stuff when I started college and stuff like that, but I wasn't fully dedicated. I was still backsliding, very promiscuous in college, things like that. But when I graduated, I felt like it was a load off my shoulders and stuff. And I really, I remember, I remember watching, I was at my mom's house. I hadn't moved out on my own yet after I got home from college. And um, I was watching the, the Left Behind series, actually. And I had watched those as a kid growing up, you know. And I guess before it was just like entertainment, although I had read Revelations so my mom always made me read the Bible, you know, every day when I got home from school and stuff like that. But I, I, I really didn't like it, honestly. She made me post scriptures. I didn't really enjoy that either. When I saw the Left Behind series that time, I remember it really struck me differently 
And the Holy Spirit started working on me. I actually started crying, you know, and I feel like all of that, I don't know, I just feel I was really touched and really realized the sacrifice that, that Jesus had made for us. And from that moment on, I would say that's when I truly, you know, became a, a what I call a real Christian, you know, and, and as a result, my music started doing better. You know, God started giving me hot, bigger platforms and people calling me for more shows and things like that. And I think that's because I was truly a vessel that he could use at that point. And which Left Behind series was it with Kirk Cameron or Nicolas Cage? I believe it was the first, the guy, the, he has like curly brown hair. I don't know his name. Kirk Is that Cameron. Kirk Cameron? It's Kirk, the first Kirk one. Cameron. Yeah, that's the first Kirk one. Kirk Cameron, yeah. Owen Payne's. It's funny, I did an interview yesterday with a guy named Xander, and he talked about the Left Behind series, um, but with Nicolas Cage, which I don't think I knew that he I don't had. think I saw that either. Yeah. The Nicholas Cage was a it was a movie. It wasn't a series. It was a movie mm-hmm. that Nicholas Cage. And okay. uh the one that the one that occurred Cameron did was a series. Okay, see, I mean God works in all platforms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um what about you, Flash Victorious? Well, at a young age I gave my life to Christ. Um, especially, you know, my mom used to throw me in the choir. I couldn't sing worth nothing, but she'd put me in the back just to <laughs> <laughs> just to make the fire fuller, but it was a small church, and uh, and I gave my Christ as a, as a young age. So I got baptized at a young age, um, you know, and really like you know, I just felt the spirit like growing up, you know, growing up. You know, I was I was going to church when they we went to church three times, two times, three times a day. So you go oh, in the day, morning, a week, yeah, 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 yeah. You know I'm saying like no, a day like on Sunday, like wow. Sunday school. Uh, a regular service and night service. You remember when they used to have night services? Mm-hmm. So, so pretty much, I got a, a, a full, you know, over cup, like overflow of a, of a, of a, you know, the word. So, growing up, you know, I just uh, one day, you know, my mom didn't tell me to do it. I just got up. I just felt it. It was something that was urging me to get up. So I got up and I went down there and gave my life to Christ uh, in the altar call and gave my life to Christ and. Uh, and start to really realize, you know, how he was working in my life. And I kind of learned at a real young age because my mom taught me how to pray at a real young age. So I remember one time when I was a kid, I was like about six years old. And I, we uh, moved to California for a little while. And I saw a kid with a skateboard. And my mom said, pray for it. She said, just pray for it tonight and see what happens. And I prayed for it. And the next day, we went over to a friend's house. And I saw another kid with a skateboard. And her friend came up to me and sat by me and said, you like skateboards? And I said, yeah. He said, here go $25, go buy your skateboard. Oh. And, and it was like, it was like, and it, it changed my mindset of like, whoa, you know, you can pray and he listened, you know? And then as I got older, you know, I started this, the Holy Spirit started working through me and it was like this really feeling it. And then of course I was a prodigal son when I got 16, 17, 18, got into my twenties and so on from there, started doing circular rap and so on from there. And then, Eventually, you know, regardless of the fact, you know, when God got his hand on you, he's always going to pull at you. And when the Spirit's going to pull at you, you're going to be convicted. You don't know that this is not where, I post, where I'm supposed to be. So it kind of pulled me back, and then I got back to Christ. So that's how it pretty much came to me. So when you guys both gave your life to Christ, was it around similar times or different? Uh, I'm not sure. See, the story between me and my brother is that actually we didn't meet each other. We didn't meet each other until later in our life when we were in our 20s. 
Mm-hmm. He was out of college. Yeah, it, was, it worked out that way. It's, it's a long story. I know it because I know that we, we were talking and you're like, the stories are different. Yeah. The stories are different because uh, we have the same father, but we don't have the same mother. Okay. So so I met my father, like, like really started building a relationship with my father when I turned 24. Mm-hmm. And uh, we kind of, uh, we, you know, came back into each, into each other's life. And uh, actually, uh, Rifka was actually one of the ones that kind of like brought us together. Like, you know, I, I searched for him. I ended up meeting him. And then from that point on, it started to go from there. So then all of a sudden, I started building a relationship with my father. And then we started going from there. So we've been having a relationship for a little bit, a little bit over, a little bit under 20 years now. Okay. So we've been, uh, we've been, you know, having a, a family, you know, knowing my brothers, knowing everything like that, kind of like getting to know him, knowing him, you know, a lot better now, you know, building a relationship with him and kind of like, because I was raised by my mom majority of the time. Yeah. So it, it came around like that. So when we when we were talking and you just kind of look at the stories like, oh, the what this is saying and this yeah. so that's the reason why that's the reason why it's kind of from like, you know, kind of like that. Okay. And then were you aware of Rifika growing up? Uh no, I wasn't. Okay. So how does it come about to where you even discover that Rifika is around? Uh, I discovered because I have an uncle that actually when my mom and my, my dad was together, uh, it was my uncle that was real close friends with my dad. So uh, come, they, they kept on telling me that, okay, you know, you know, you look like your dad, you look like your dad. But at that point, I was rebellious. I didn't care. You know, I was on that point of like, you know, kind of bitter, you know, so on from that point. Mm-hmm. But then I started to really like, really like, you know, say, I want to meet my brothers. They said I had two brothers. And that was right around my, probably about early 20s. Okay. And I said, they said I had two brothers. And I'm like, okay, I want to meet my brothers. So I ended up meet, I ended up like getting their phone number from my uncle. And then once I got my phone number from the uncle, then I contacted them. But Justin was in college at the time. Okay. So, go and ahead. So then, right. or Justin, Replica, once you receive that phone call, like, how did, where does it go from there? It's funny because he actually had my mom's number and my mom contacted me and called me and she said, um, I think this is, you know, I think this is your brother. You have a brother. I was like, I have a brother. I, I know Kirk. I didn't know Vic, you know. <laughs> and um, I was like, okay. Um, she said, but I think this is really your brother. Make sure you be nice to him. And she told me kind of the story of how she kind of knew that he probably was my brother. You know, um, and so she gave him my number, let him know that he was going to call me. And some kind of way I had a picture. Maybe she had sent the picture to me through email. No, or maybe, or maybe he, he called me. You asked me for a picture, so I sent it to you. you okay, to okay. <laughs> yeah, so you call, I called you? Or you called yeah, me? Uh, no, uh, uh, when I called your mom, your mom gave you my number and you called me. Okay, yeah. So I called him first and then we talked. Now I don't really remember the first conversation, but I mean it was kind of it was kind of cool. And I was like, I just it was kind of weird because I was like, I can't believe I didn't notice. And our dad was very strict on me growing up, you know, very strict. <laughs> so because of that, I was like, uh-uh, nah, you're not about to be in, in the strict on me and you're not gonna find out this your son or not. So I called him and made sure. That he found out, you know, that if this if, if um, Vic was his son or not. Plus, I saw the resemblance in the picture anyway. Yeah, you know. So he, your father, didn't know that 
Victoria's was it was, it was what it was it was uh between my mom my mom my mom it's, it's, it's a long story like you never really get to the bottom of it because they're never gonna really give you the full story of exactly what was going on yeah uh at one point at one point um at one point my mom it was early it was in the early 20s and uh at the time you know they got into some type of argument whatever and uh my mom was like forget you you know, at the time, and she guess you know, they broke up. Uh, when they broke up, then come to find out she was pregnant. So from there, and then, you know, at that point, when you were going separate ways, you know, people think different things, and so on from there. So at that point, when they started doing different things, my mom was like, you know, forget it, this is my baby. Because my, 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 my government name is uh, Victor. Mm-hmm. And my mom's name Victoria. So okay. she said, I'm going to name him after me. This is my son at the time. Yeah. So at that time, she was like, at that point, she was kind of like, you know, that, that strong black woman, like, I'll do this on my own mm-hmm. type thing. And he was, he was, my dad was more like, I don't know, you know, we ain't been together, you know, this, this and that. I don't know what you've been doing outside of us not being together no more. Mm-hmm. So from there. So then at that point, it kind of like just went separate ways. She just said, forget you. I'm going my direction. I ain't going to look for you or try to find you. So at that point, that's how that ended up happening. And, you know, when you're young, you kind of like, she was like 20. It was funny because because I didn't meet my dad till I was 24 and she had me at 24. Okay. So that's so that stuff kind of it's one of those things that kind of like you know work into you know a certain way that you like okay God had something to do with that you know. So, well, I mean there with that and then just the fact that you both like both your music memories had to do with family, but at the time me not realizing that the family wasn't like in the same household. Not only were they right. not in the same household, you guys just didn't even know you each other existed right so your mom was musical <laughs> but then at the same time you guys have the musicality on your dad's side That's exactly mm-hmm. okay okay so now as adults i know rifika was recently married so congratulations yeah. thank you appreciate it yeah and what about you Vic, are you yeah you have family i'm married yes i'm married i have family i've been married for four years now Okay. Uh, this is we're on our fourth year. Uh, we got married in uh 2017. Right. Yeah, so uh, we got married. Uh, I have a son, he's uh, he's uh 14, he's actually on the album and testimony. So we have a song called Testimony, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're, we're he, gonna get to that for sure. <laughs> we're gonna talk about that, uh, and then um, uh, yeah, go ahead. So, how do you guys say that God's presence? How does it look like in your life, personally, just outside of the music, but personally, how is God's presence in your life? Well, God's presence in my life is this this every day, every morning. Me and my wife, we get up and we pray together. That's off top. We don't give our voice to anybody else but God when we wake up in the morning. That's the main thing. As soon as we step, as soon as we wake up to speak, before we even kiss each other, we pray mm-hmm. together. We pray, we say our prayer, and we take like we kind of take turns like it'd be my day today, it'd be her day tomorrow, it'd be my day the day after that. And we pray together because we're two or more so see. So we pray, and then once we pray, then we kiss. And then we go about our day. But we make sure we give him a first of everything that we have. Uh he's an everyday, everyday thing with me. I mean, half the time I'm praying constantly. I'm praying, I'm speaking, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, he's just guiding me day by day night by night week by week so you know it's just not like half the time like i'm like half the time i'm listening to the bible or reading the bible 
because you always get something new every time you read it. Uh, looking for the word, trying to get you know some type of word, some type of uh, of, of this this that you know that man cannot live on bread alone, but mm-hmm. for God. So so hey, I'm eating all the time. I'm eating, and I'm trying to get full. Okay. And what about you, Rafika? I feel like I talk to God all the time, like all day, every day. I feel like I'm praying or talking to him about something. Um, I read the Bible on a regular basis. I listen to what well, I watch because my pastor's still in Las Vegas, although I'm in Atlanta, so I'm still plugged in with that ministry. So he does a fast every Wednesday. We fast and he sends us scriptures to read. Along with that fast, also I still so I do that every Wednesday. I listen to their um, podcast or whatever, where it's really his preaching or whatever that comes on Facebook. Um, sometime through the week, although I don't always get to tag tune into it on Sundays, I always listen to it throughout the week. Um, I pray, I worship. You know, I get down. Our uncle, our late uncle, Pastor Wilson Douglas the Third, um, really taught me about worship like true worship and true worship is a is a posture you know what i'm saying like bowing down before the lord and um getting prostrate before him so i make sure that i do that on a regular basis as well and of course me and my wife we pray together too so that's how i feel like god is we walk we walk together i walk with god all the time and then of course in the music i don't write nothing until the holy spirit gives me what to write or what to say on my stuff that's awesome okay so we're going to move forward to um, the hot topic, what's trending on Twitter right now. And um, yesterday, the phrase, oh, God, was trending on, tour- on Twitter. And it was just people like posting vi- Bible verses that had the phrase, oh, God, in it. So like, I don't know, like a Psalm 139, search me, oh, God, and know my heart. Today the phrase even god is trending on twitter um so digging into that even further um it's not as beautiful and (laughs) and just pure about god as it was yesterday it turns out that they're posting that because um i don't know if you're aware but the mural honoring george floyd in toledo ohio was destroyed by a lightning strike Mm. So there's a picture of the mural and like, it's just all the bricks. It was a brick mural with um, his portrait on it and it's just gone. And so people are posting, even God is tired of hearing about George Floyd. Mm. Um, And then people coming back like, you know, WTF, what is wrong with these people? Oh yeah, well, even God is tired of hearing about racist redneck insurrectionists and it's just like this ongoing it's like back and forth right um so someone said good even god thinks memorialize memorializing a crackhead bandit who overdosed on fentanyl is too much convert it to a christian shrine for we experienced a miracle and then someone comments that's bs stop using religion to hide behind the fact that you're a racist bigot doesn't the bible say ish like don't hurt your fellow man be treated as how you wish to be treated i'm really fed up also lightning is um is a science thing not jesus but my whole thing to you my question is um why do you think people hide behind religion i'm not gonna say god because if they knew god 
<laughs> None of that is the characteristics of God. So why do people hide behind religion when it comes to their personal opinion about race, sex, money? Um, I believe that, you know, when you have stuff like that, people try to use things to control people in some sort of, sort of way. They try to figure that they control it, just like back in the slavery days when they used to take the Bible and try to whip it with the Bible and tell us not to read, you know? Mm-hmm. So they may take different parts of the Bible, just like when Jesus was uh, when Jesus was 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 tempted for forty days, forty nights. Um, the devil tempted him in many ways. That was the word. He spoke of the word in it, but he didn't say the whole word. Mm-hmm. So when stuff like this happens, they, you got to look at it like that. Sometimes the devil wants to come in and try to you know make his and, and push his wheel through, but because he knows, because the devil knows the Bible better than we know it. We know that. You know, and that's why you have the Holy Spirit there to speak to it. So, for example, it's a, you know, certain things that the devil can hear, like speaking in tongues and so on from there. He can't understand it and stuff like that. That's why he can understand everything else. So you think about that, that he's going to hear whatever's going on. So, of course, he's going to take his, put his, his, his swing on it and try to say, you know what? I'm going to take what God said and swing it my way to defy what God is doing or whatever he's doing at the time, you know, but the devil makes the bad, God would make the good. So regardless of the fact, it's always going to come on God's side. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree with my brother. People try to justify um, what they're doing through religion or their beliefs or, you know, the way they do things and and stuff like that. Um, They try to use it like the they try to take a scripture in the Bible, look at it and twist it to mean whatever they want it to mean, you know. So that's what I that's what I think that is about. But like you said, if they're truly if they truly knew the characteristics of God, then they would know that he's not. That's not how he is. And that's not how he acts. That's not how he thinks. Although the Bible does say his ways are not our ways and his ways are not our thoughts. So. Yeah. All right, we'll move forward and start talking about music. So we know that you guys both grew up in households that um, did music, but how personally, how did you get into music? What was your music start? We can start with Victorious. Uh, My musical start was actually, um, I used to freestyle and stuff like that in high school and stuff like that, just, you know, just playing around. I really didn't really like, like, you know, being in a choir as a kid, which I really couldn't sing, but I was just singing, so I just hold a note. And, uh, and you know, I looked around and everybody in my family had talent. My sister could sing, my mom could sing, everybody could sing, you know. And I'm sitting up there like, man, I can't do nothing, you know. <laughs> I don't know how to do nothing. And I started to recognize that I was able to, uh, my mom used to play the piano. I was able to keep her, uh, her tempo. I could tell her she's offbeat and onbeat. I didn't know why I could tell, but I just can tell. And I was like, Mom, you're, you're offbeat. Or, Mom, you're onbeat. Or, Mom, you're offbeat because I'd be sitting there playing my toys. And I was like, you're offbeat. And she's like, what? She mm-hmm. said, I am offbeat. And she'll go through and do it again and do it again. And I was like, you're offbeat. And, and as I got older, I started to recognize I was able to, you know, do, do uh, the words with the beat. So I was able to rhyme. As I started to get more vocabulary in my, you know, in my mind, I started to learn more words. I recognized I was able to rhyme and I was able to, you know, spit and be able to spit different things come out of my mind instantly. It was kind of weird. And I was like, okay, this is kind of weird. But I used to play around. We used to get the, you know, the, you know, the uh, lunchroom table. Y'all be sitting there beating on the table, 
And then, you know, we freestyle. And then that was just, you know, this is fun. It was all jokes and giggles, you know. And as I got older, my sister was like, you know what? You should do this for real. And I'm like, nah, it's just fun. You know, it's no big deal. It's just fun. And she introduced me to a guy that was uh, named DL. And he, was, he said, uh, and he was trying to like, you know, he was a producer and he wanted to, you know, he was like, I don't have nobody that can rap. So I want somebody that can rap with me. So I went over there. He had this old Casio keyboard, you know, the one you buy at Kmart or Walmart mm-hmm. at the time, right? Old Casio keyboard. And he had these beats and it was like, oh, they was horrible. But, you know, they was, uh, but I could tell he was moving up. And then I came back a week later, two weeks later, and he had a Triton, which was a, you know, high standard uh, keyboard. Okay. So his beats started to sound better. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll try to do this. So that's how I ended up starting, like doing like, you know, rap and songs from there. So, uh, Started that way, and then at that point, well, you started I, producing I, first. Then, no, no, he started producing. He, he was started producing. producing for you. Okay, I just started. I just started producing to later. Got it. Later on in life, I just started producing because I was just getting tired of uh, looking for beats and paying for beats and stuff like that. So I was, you know, eventually I was like, you know, something. Let me see what. I can. And then okay. I eventually started, you know, doing. I always had like ability to like uh, keep a note or do you know a loop or it was up. I can play something. I'll play just a melody real fast. And so from there, and then once I start to realize that being around so many people, because I was kind of like the person that could be around somebody and adapt mm-hmm. and I can pick up what they know and then learn it for myself. Okay. So if I, I was around him, he was a producer, and then I learned how to produce. And then I was around, you know, different people that did rap different ways. And I just learned different things, different craft from different people. And even like, you know, graphics, uh, as far as, you know, pictures, graphics and stuff like that. I learned that from one of the guys that was in the group back in the day. Yeah, I was in a group, so I was in like a few groups. And each group I was in, I learned something from every person that I was around. So God was just placing people in my life to see where I was at. Okay. And what about you, Rafika? your music started? I would have to say, probably since I grew up around music, I mean, I was, I, it's like old tapes of me singing, you know, in the bathtub and stuff as a kid and all kinds. Of, I can hold a note a little bit. I sing on some of our stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I got that a little bit about I'm a better rapper than I am a singer. But when I was eight years old, I had a, my oldest brother, John, he would actually write raps and make beats on Casio keyboards and stuff like that. And I got interested in it because he was doing it. He was recording himself. He was a teenager at the time and stuff. So he actually helped me write my first rap when I was eight years old. And I would do that rap on a regular basis. I'd be at the lunch table in elementary school rapping for my classmates and stuff like that, doing that rap. And they actually would actually stop and listen when I would rap. So I was like, okay, I must be kind of good or something. I don't know. So <laughs> I got older. It was, it was secular raps back then, though. It was in gangster rap was real big when we were kids. You know, so I was writing crazy stuff as a kid, you know, but... All the way through, I thought I was going to be a secular rapper. That was my dream. So I was writing secular raps and stuff like that. When I got to high school, I started writing about being a baller because No Limit was like my favorite rap group at the time, like stuff like that, you know. But I think I was probably about 17 years old and I went to a church conference called the Spiritual Encounter at um, New Light Christian Center in Houston, Texas. And they would bring in like, rappers they have dj playing christian rap and all that kind of stuff they bring in rappers and it was a it was a youth conference and then one day they had a minister there who was talking about the music industry he was preaching on that and then the holy spirit started dealing with me and let me know that i was to use my talent for him so i became very convicted at the time then as i was walking out of that conference that day 
one of the one of the workers, an older guy, stopped me and confirmed it with the same thing. Because you know the Lord is always going to confirm His word with signs following. So that let me know that's what I was supposed to be doing. So from that moment when I was seventeen, I, I remember leaving and I was throwing my secular CDs out the window and all kind of stuff like that. <laughs> and I started writing Christian raps. And it's funny because I used to produce a little bit too, and I didn't know what to do. So I um. Previously, I was writing. I was writing to secular beats and stuff like that. But at this point, for some reason, I had a karaoke machine and I had a keyboard. I played tuba. I grew up playing in the band in school, playing the tuba, and I had a drum machine. So I would make my own beats the long way on that karaoke machine. <laughs> I would later, I would later drum beat, then I would later the bass line with the tuba on it for about four minutes. Then I would later the keyboard stuff on it. Then I'd go back and rap my verse to it and record that. So I remember going back and playing that for my partner in the um, band practice room and stuff like that, trying to get his his opinion on things and stuff. And then I would send I ended up calling the back of Christian rap CDs because I didn't know how to get this, get my start. So I called several and I would just if a message would pick up, I would leave that song on their recorder. You know, I know it sounded real bootleg, <laughs> but I, that's what I did. So one day, finally, this guy from one of the CDs called me back. His name was Michael Jefferson, Mike D of New Camp Entertainment. He called me back. He said, man, it sounds like you got something. I'd like to meet with you. So we met the next day at, I believe it was IHOP off of, um, and you from you you lived in Houston. So it was off 610 in a Meyerland area that I hop over there in the Meyerland area by K&G's. But you weren't K&G's back then. And we met and he said he wanted to start working with me. And then from there, he ended up featuring me on their next CD, which was DOP2K3, and they discipled me. And I was about 18 at this time, and that's how I got my start into professional Christian hip-hop. That's dope. I mean, it's also just interesting, again, that you guys are getting into music as individuals, again, not even aware of each other's existence. But doing yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was All right. Um... So, um, so we talked about how you both got into music as individuals, um, not even knowing about each other's existence. So once you guys meet each other and you know that you guys are both Douglas boys, how do you start making music together? How did that start begin? I was... I was already doing Christian rap at the time. At the time, Vic was doing secular rap at the time. Um, he would give me advice on how to make my flow better because, honestly, he, he's always been a better rapper than me. <laughs> so he would give me advice and stuff like that because my, my raps used to be, like, real straightforward. No metaphors, no alliteration, no entendres, no nothing. Um, it came a point where I was working on my second studio album called The Standard, and I had tried to record this song to one beat Mike D had gave me and he didn't really like it. So he told me to go back and find somebody else to be on it and stuff like that. And then it ended up becoming a whole different song. And the name of the song was Gospel Step. It was actually the first Christian rap line dance that ever came out. And I needed somebody to do the hook. And I knew Vic is real. And you can't tell on the interview, but he's real animated and he's very hyper. So I was like, right, let me ask my brother to be on this song. You know, I knew he was doing secular rap. But I was like, let me let me ask him anyway. So he said that he would do it. And then he did the hook on Gospel Step. And then he did a fire verse on Gospel Step. And that's kind of how we started doing music together. 
And we've done a few other songs together on my projects through the years. Uh, Mighty God on my Death of Me Volume 1 mixtape. And then he's on the Cypher on my Fresh Manor album at the very end. But this is the first project we actually did together. Okay. So, so Vic, after you jump on the Gospel Step album, but you're still doing secular where how does it look from there did you continue doing secular uh at the time at the time I, when we did that i think i did secular for probably another mm, three or four years uh i was just uh you know i was i had a group and i had a record label at the time called uh you know back in the day it was all about the gangsters but it was a mixed breed company record it's called a Marco. and it was uh i was in a group of five people and uh, you know, I have my own studio, I have my own everything. So I was uh running that. And he came to me, he asked me, you know, hey, you know, I'm doing this song called Gospel Step. I need a dance and I need a uh and I need a, a, a hook. And I'm like, he showed me a dance he had. And I was like, okay, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> dance he had, because he was he was he was on he was part he was a part of a fraternity, so he said, you know, he's a step. Okay. So, you know, so you know, by him being able to step, you know, his dance was a little complex. Like it's a little <laughs> complex, bro. Like that's a lot. That's a lot of moves, man. To be doing in one thing. He's like, but I think you know, you know, it'd be right. And I said, let me. I said, let me sit with the beat for a day or so, and uh, let me see what I come up with. I had a little nephew that he loved to dance, so I, I got with him, and I was like, hey, you know, his name Romeo. I said, Romeo, hey, like, like if you had this beat, how would you dance to it? And if you was gonna do a line dance, how would you do it? So. He showed me, I took pieces of what, what, what Riff had and then this, you know, took that and then we added our little something to it and then, you know, brought him back and then we uh, thought about the hook. He said, what could be a hook, a good hook for it? So then I thought about it and I was like, gosh, step, do the gosh, step, do the gosh, step. And I was like, that may work, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So we got on there, we did the, we did the hook and then, you know, I kind of, at the time, it was, uh, at the time it was all about you know, Little John was out, all the stuff there. So it was more like a, like, dude, got some style, you know, that kind of like that, that raspiness, you know? Yeah. So I said, okay, we can go ahead and do this bad boy and kind of like add a little, little extra to it, you know, a little extra song from there. So I did that with him. And I was just like, okay, I was like, okay, that's not bad. You know, that's not bad. And I did, I kind of did like little doctor songs here and there. And, um, and at one point in my life, it was weird because, um, it was right around, I say, 20, 20, right before I actually, right before I met him, I uh, I got a hunger for the word. Yeah. And I didn't know what it was. It was like, I just really, really just, just I just, I wanted the word. I like, I want to eat the word. I wanted, I had like every, every, every version of the Bible, New Testament, uh, Old Testament, King James, and New international, every single like uh, standard, you know, living standard Bible. I mean, I had every Bible, and I was uh, the TV state on TBN. Like it was like you know, TBN was like you know the number one, number one stations. It stayed on TBN. It was like I didn't understand why. So one day I just woke up, and it was like I couldn't. It was weird because I like I couldn't eat. Like I really naturally could not eat. So I was like I didn't have I didn't have no type of appetite. Okay, but it was weird because I was like, I was like, why can I eat? I eat something, I feel like I throw it up. And I was like, why can I eat? Is something wrong with me? But I went to the doctor, nothing's wrong with me. 
And I'm like, why do I feel this way? But then all I want to do is read the word. So it was weird. And I was like, okay. And then like, as I started to read, it said, man, can I live on, you know, bread alone? Or God. And I was like, oh, so you play on me, God. You got a sense of humor. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so I'm steady eating the word, eating the word, eating the word, eating the word. And I, and it was like, it's a, it was a probably about, probably about a good year, probably about a year. I was like that. It, but I started to eat later on, you know, as I started read the words and I, my appetite came back. And it was weird because as I started to read more, my appetite came back. I started eating more and my appetite came back. And then right after that, uh, I had, I was married before. So about me being married before, you know, I had my son. My son's 14. I've been married for four years. It kind of makes sense, right? So uh, when I had my son and then that didn't work out, you know, you know, she was she was she was doing her own thing and so on from there, and then we ended up getting divorced. And uh, I was kind of mad at God. Mm. You know, I was kind of mad, so it kind of like shifted me away because I was like, because at that point I was doing everything I felt I was supposed to be doing, yeah. and it still didn't work out, mm. right? So when that happened, I kind of like stayed in circular for a little while longer, and like I kind of switched back to circular. Like, okay, you know what? I'm doing circular. I'm doing circular. That's what I'll do. That's what I'm used to. But at the time, I was making gospel songs right before that when I started hungering for the word. But I wasn't putting them out. I was just making them. I let, you know, my boys hear them and so on from there. They're like, oh, that's dope. You know, I like that. That's dope. And I was like, okay, cool. So I was just to say, you know what? I think I'm going to go gospel. And then that happened with my first wife. And I was like, man, no, nah, man, God, it's just that. I was mad. And, you know, it's, that's that's part of like that's kind of like part of my testimony. I'm gonna tell you a little bit of it, but not you know. I know you got a part that you go to that part, so I don't want to ruin that. But <laughs> but at that point, I was like, you know what? I don't want to do it no. More. I'm doing I'm doing what I was doing circle. And then what happened? I eventually went back to circle for a while, and God was still pulling at me. It was still pulling. I could not get comfortable. Everything I did, I did. Like, I got albums and albums that I never put out mm. because God wouldn't let me put them. Yeah, it wasn't meant for me to do that. So he said, I would not bless that. I'm not going to let you do that because you belong to me. So at that point, I was like, dang, I got all these songs. And then at times, like group members started doing shady things. They started going about their business. They started, you know, leaving and stuff like that. And I didn't understand why, because I was like, I was always a team player. I was always building people up, you know, trying to make, trying to get the best out of them and so on from there. And I was like, why is everybody leaving? Why is everybody backstabbing? What's going on? But God knew that that wasn't for me. So eventually I ended up joining a group called Heroes and I got back into gospel mm. and then started doing gospel again. So on from there. And, uh, and you know, he kind of started working through me and I started to recognize this is where I want to be. This is what I want to do. Okay. So how did you guys um, come together to do the Douglas Boys Bridging the Gap album? You can talk, Griff. I've been talking a lot. <laughs> okay. Well, when we were about, when me and my wife were about to get married, we were engaged. Um, her dad had asked me to do the gospel wobble at the wedding. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I knew that Vic was going to be there. So I was like, well, so I'm going to do gospel wobble. I'm going to do gospel still too, because those line dances are good for weddings. Yeah. So those are two line dance songs that I have. So... I asked, I asked Vic if he would perform with me at the wedding. 
And for a while, he was like, nah, man, I ain't, I ain't doing that. You ain't going to want to do that. You're going to be tired. This is big, man. You, you ain't done nothing like this for you. understand? You're going to be tired. Like, man, I'm going to be good, man. We need to do this. We don't never get to do song together. I always got to do gospel verse for you, your verse by myself. You know what I'm saying? Come on, man. Let's do it. And finally, he was like, okay, I'll do, I'll do gospel stuff with you. I wanted him to do Mighty God, too, but he was like, he's not doing Mighty God. So I accepted that. And years prior... Probably like 2015 or so, Vic had brought up the idea about us doing a Douglas Boys project or having a Douglas Boys group. And I was like, it sounded like cool idea. I was like, okay, cool. But I didn't never think it was really, really going to happen. Yeah. You know, but at the wedding, um, we did we did the performance at the wedding. The people enjoyed it. Um, then when we got off the stage, he was literally playing beats for me that he had made. And he they were on that um, old school gospel type style and like with a with a trap sound mixed into it. And I was like, it's pretty cool. I always wanted to do something like that with with um choirs and like a gospel sound and stuff like that. And I never had the opportunity to. So this was the perfect time. So he started bringing that up and we was actually started planning on, you know, working on the Douglas Boys after that. So the wedding is kind of how it started. And it's a way, I always like real instruments. I always wanted beats with real instruments and stuff like that. Instrumentation, the fact that he was working on that, those type of pro producing those type of tracks was perfect. Like everything lined up perfectly and this was the right time for us to do it. Plus we wanted to honor our, our uncle, Pastor Wilson Douglas III, our late uncle who passed a few years back and give our dad his flowers, Deacon Nathan Douglas his flowers while he was still living. They were the original Douglas boys. They used to play in churches in Louisiana, you know, go to different churches. And on the album, you hear um, our uncle talk about a story of their mom taking them to different churches and them playing. Yeah. He was singing and um, dad would play the guitar. And then eventually he started playing the keys and dad would play the guitar. And that's what they would do. So it's kind of a pass in the torch. That's that's beautiful. Definitely beautiful. Okay. So then the whole album is produced by you, Victorious? Yeah. Whole album is produced by me. Oh, okay. With uh with with uh with 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 a few uh uh riffikas, uh 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 can we get a different snare in there? Can we can we something <laughs> like that, but yeah. Okay. It was it was produced by me. Well, it so, definitely is all like feels like you know gospel. <laughs> it has the organ oh, yeah. and the piano. It's that you feel like you in church in like a Baptist church or something. That was the main thing. That was the main thing, really, to give you that feel of of that gospel like feel that like what I remember growing up. Like I said, when I was younger, I listened to Mississippi Mass Choir, uh, listened to the Clark Sisters, listened to. You know, different things like that, uh, John P. Key, mm -hmm. stuff like that. I mean, I used to, I grew up on that. So me growing up on that and knowing that uh, at that time, that's how, that's how my, you know, my dad and uh, our dad and uh, our uncle actually used to play. Yeah. They played like that. That's just how they came up. They played like that. I mean, for me to kind of like being able to to honor them, you know, honor our parents and your your life to be long. You know, it was, it was a chance for me to kind of like, you know what. Even though everything worked out the way in my life, I was able to come back and, you know, we were able to come back and honor them in a way that we could say, you know, that's beforehand put you, put you like, make it to a point that you will never be forgotten. Mm -hmm. And the album definitely is a family affair. You talked about having your late uncle, Pastor Wilson Douglas, on it. 
And then, um, Vic, is that your mom then, Victoria Michelle? Uh, yeah, that's my mom. Okay. She sung on the first song. My wife sung the hook with my mom on the on pray. Okay. Uh, uh, my son is the last verse on testimony. Yeah, let's uh, look at that. Let's talk about your son's testimony and why you included that on that track. Um, when he was uh right around eight, nine, ten, like eight or nine, he um he had this uh condition that the the spinal like his spinal fluid would go, would go down his neck. You know, he had spinal fluid going in your neck into your spine. And uh, what was happening, it was cutting it off in the back of his brain. Mm -hmm. So while he was going through that, what was happening is that he was losing complete feeling in his whole right side of his body. He started to lose, he started getting numb. He couldn't feel his arm. He started to feel his leg and so on. And the doctor was saying that it's a, you know, if it continues on, that he won't be able to walk at all. And he was starting, his neck was like, he was holding his neck to the side. And as he started to grow older, we kind of saw it. He started holding his neck to the side right around two, three years old. But they were saying that, you know, just go through physical therapy and everything will be fine. And so we was like, okay. So eventually it started to get worse as he got older. And right around eight or nine, we went and got an MRI. And they said that he has an issue that it's uh, pretty much on the back of his head is pushing down on the spine that spinal fluid cannot go down to go down, you know, just back to the spine. So they said he's gonna have to have brain surgery. Mm -hmm. And they were gonna have to actually cut the uh cut the skull in the back of the skull and actually take it out so it so it can flow down mm -hmm. like normal. So he still has a scar now. So at that point but they said it's a possibility that once we have the surgery, it could be possible he may not be able to walk after the surgery. But you know, it's gonna a better chance of him doing this because if uh we don't do it, then he's not gonna be able to walk at all, period. Yeah. So we did the we did the surgery, you know, I prayed, you know, all you could do is go to God. You know, it was it was a it was a real hard time, you know, when when I found out about it, you know, knowing your son about to have brain surgery and he's so young, you know, he's just mm -hmm. eight, nine years old. So it was it was, was kind of hard, kind of like hit me a little hard when it happened. And then I talked to him and I was telling him, I was like, hey, because like he was a, he wanted to play football. He loved football like, since he was little. So I'm talking to him. I'm like, uh, he's like, dad, he's like, you know, you know, I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm like, hey, when you finish this, you're going to be fine. You're going to be able to play football. You're going to be able to play football. You're fine. You're going to be able to play football. You're going to do anything you want to do. You know, and you know, that's, you know, being just, just taking the faith of it. But you know, your flesh is still there. And you're like, you worry, but you can't show him. So, he went in, he had the surgery, and that's what held him. It was weird because what held him that he was going to be able to play football. Mm. So it, it took away the fear out of him to say, you know, if I do this, I'm going to be able to play football. So he went in there, he had it done, and when he first came out, it was kind of rough. He was kind of, you know, you know, uh, anesthesia and everything was in his stomach, so he was throwing it up and so on from there. But when he came out, it was like a day later, you know, he, you know, he woke up. And I'm looking at him. I was with him all the time. I, I never left the hospital. And uh, he wakes up and he looks at me. And he was like, he was like, I get to play football. You know, and it was weird because I was like, oh, you know, you still thought about that. So then the, the, the uh, doctor and the nurse came in and said, hey, he needs to get up and walk a little bit to see if he can walk. So at first he didn't want to do it. But then he got up and started walking. Mm -hmm. We had to walk the aisle, aisles back and forth. And he had his, uh, you know, his ID and he had his ID next to him, but he was able to walk the house back and forth. And all I could do was praise God. 
Because I was like, it was a possibility he wouldn't be able to walk. But now he's able to walk. And so in the, uh, then as time go by, fast forward to he got to middle school, he got to play football. Mm. He was able to play football. So I was able to give him the promise that I promised him. You know, he was able to do it. So at that point, once he was able to play football, then, you know, when we when we did this song, he's 14 now. Yeah. So he's about to be 15. So we was uh, sitting down and was uh first he first he wasn't gonna be on the song. We was like, you know, I was trying to get him to do it. And he was like, you know, I don't know, Dad, you know, I don't know, you know, what am I talking about? I said, it's your testimony. I said, What's your testimony? And he was uh, it was funny because last year he's a freshman in high school and he's about to be a sophomore. So right up to the end, you know, he was having issues, you know, uh with his classes and everything. And if you listen to the beginning of the verse, he says, he says, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about to fail, right? He says that at the beginning of his verse because honestly, he was about to fail his freshman year if he didn't pass the test. Mm. He had one test to pass and he had to, he had to ace the exam. And if he didn't pass it, he was going to fail, you know, his ninth grade, but he passed the test, mm-hmm. you know? And then, so that was his first test. But then as you go through the, go through the album, he speaks of, you know, how he had, you know, the brain surgery. He said, you know, brain surgery couldn't hurt me. You know, the doctor got that Jesus talk. Now I'm walking in my J's. Now I got that Jesus walk, yeah. you know? So he was pretty much just telling you, like, I went through that. I have a testimony to tell, you know what I mean? Like, this is my testimony and I'm going to tell my testimony in this rap. So he broke down his testimony and, and everything that's on there and everything that he's saying is true facts that we went through that. He has to scratch actually he still has the scar to prove it right down the back of his head, right here. So it's like to see him and kind of see like it was a point that he anything could have happened with his brain surgery. But but I say but God. Yeah. But God. You know what I'm saying? But God. Regardless of fact, but God. You know, he he answers prayers, you know what I mean? God never leave you or forsake you. He's with you through all things. Right. He said you wouldn't go through things, but he said he's with you through all things. He's right there. And one thing about it, like, you know, I, 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 have, a, I have a faith, and I have way bigger faith than the Muslims. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm sure that had to strengthen your faith as well because you're watching your son go through something, and it's not like you can just jump in his shoes and try to go through it for him. You have to watch him. Right. Right. And that's that's one thing about me. I mean, growing up, my mom always taught me. That's one thing that I could I take my mom to this day, that she gave me my faith. She gave me my faith from a young age. I mean, especially like I told you with the skateboard, mm-hmm. um, song from there. She always like taught me that God is the truth and the light. You can go to him, go to him for anything. Just pray to him, talk to him. You know, God can do all things. I mean, you can do all things that Christ is you. So just 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 believe in him and know that faith is an action word. Mm-hmm. Even though at times you may think you can believe all you want, but you got to get out there and do it. So that's the main thing. And she gave me that faith. And ever since then, I mean, I've been having a faith that's just, it's like, I say, you know, my faith is just, like I said on one of my flows, I say, my faith is big as a galaxy. We got faith as big as a galaxy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you say, mustard seed, we got faith as big as a galaxy. Like my faith is, like, I go to him for everything. You know, I know that he can do it. So, okay. And then Rifika, um, you guys have this work it out challenge that you're in the process of doing right now, correct? All right. Yes. Yes, we do. 
Yeah, I can talk about it. Uh, it started July 1st and it's going until July 29th. Um, we're asking people to re make up a dance to a portion of our song, Work It Out, and post it on their TikTok and also on their Instagram and tag Work It Out Challenge and, and also tag the Real Douglas Boys in it. And on August 1st, we're going to announce who the winner is. And the winner is going to win $200. Either you can do it as a group, but then you have to split $200. Or you can do it by yourself. And that'll be $200. And, of course, we want people to keep it clean and holy. Yeah. Of course, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we can post it. We will be posting the best ones that people do that they send to us on our social media. That doesn't necessarily mean that they won. But we just want to highlight some examples of what some people are doing. and. Some people, one person asked about doing it last week, so I want to clarify this. Um, you can actually play the song through TikTok and dance to that. That'd probably yeah. be the way that the, the volume and audio would be the best. Yeah. So you can you can pull it up on TikTok and play it through there when you when you dance to it, maybe about 30 minutes, 30 seconds to a minute long. And Vic, if I left out anything out, man, you can add it. <laughs> yeah, uh, you have to. You have to do that. You have to follow every single one of our, uh, right. our social media. You must you must follow that. If you don't follow that, that's the main. That's one of the qualifications of actually winning it. You have to go to all our social medias. Uh, social media on every pretty much every single category is uh, the real Douglas Boys, mm -hmm. and then I think uh, Twitter is what is uh, the real uh, Douglas, Douglas Boys. Real Douglas, Douglas Boys. With a Z. Yeah, with a Z. Yeah. Boys with a Z. But uh, but the real Douglas Boys pretty much on all platforms except Twitter, and on Twitter it's real Douglas Boys, and you gotta follow every single one of them. And then once you follow every single one of them, because we're gonna check, <laughs> and if it's the best, because automatically once we you know judge them and so from there, and we you know like the one we like, we're gonna go and follow us on every single platform. And if you follow us on every single platform and everything's legit and it's holy, not you know no twerking and nothing like that. But if it's holy, then we'll go ahead and uh, slide to that 200. Okay. All right. All right. And as far as the takeaway, when people listen to Bridging the Gap, you know, what do you hope that they feel or experience? Uh, Bridging the Gap is actually what the name is. We did Bridging the Gap because we want to bring uh, the, the, the elders with the youth and for they can worship together. Too many times you go to the church. And right around at the beginning of the church, they're like, yo, okay, all of you go get on, go to the youth uh, church, uh, go this. And they really don't get to enjoy and worship together. A lot of times when the choir comes up, half the time you see the kids sitting down with their phone, playing a game or, you know, doing whatever. And then when a youth a program comes up to the church, when they have youth Sunday, you know, the certain youth Sunday that they worship together, the, you know, somebody come up there, a rapper or whatever, and then the the moms and the, and the elders just sit there like, okay, what are they talking about? Sounds cool, the beat's okay, but it's not my it's not my cup of tea. This album is to bring everybody together. It's yeah. bridging the gap. Bridging the gap completely. It's a it's a passing of a torch, but at the same time it's bridging the gap to bring the whole every saint together to be able to worship together. Be able to worship together as a family. Like you like the whole album is a family affair. Like you gotta understand, like this album has has age group ranging from 68, 69 to 14 mm -hmm. on the album. Okay. 
So yeah. it's no it's no age in this in this album. It's ages of of different all the way through. It's like different ages, but we're all coming together to worship God in the way that we know how. And that's the understanding that a lot of people have to understand different churches and stuff like that, is that that everybody don't worship the same, but we can worship together. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, wait, I'm sorry. Hold on. My my grandma's here. The the remote control, grandma, it's on autoplay. It's going to automatically play the next episode, okay? I'm trying to do this interview, grandma. Just give me like... Uh, like maybe 10 more minutes. Mm-hmm. It's going to play in like 10 seconds. You see the thing counting down, right? The, it's the Douglas boys. It's not like you know them. <laughs> <laughs> Give her the album. She'll get to know us. Yeah, she'll like it. <laughs> the Douglas boys. You know, uh, the duck. Who this? You y'all y'all the Douglas boys? Look at the little women. Yeah. I used oh, to. Oh wow. Uh, <laughs> a, a Walter Douglas back in Shreveport. Y- y'all any relation to Walter Douglas? We may. We, we, we might be. Yeah, our our grandfather was was from around that area, and our grandmother lived yep. in Natchitoches. Natchitoches. Mm, okay, okay. Well, uh, Douglas boys, y- y- y'all mind if I say say a little prayer for y'all? Hmm. Hey, y'all for that every day, all day. All right, Lord, Lord, I, I want to pray for this this musical family, this this whining's like this this clock like. This the shit like family that these Douglas boys, Lord, Lord, these boys up here looking at me got me reminiscing on this Walter Douglas back in Shreveport. That Walter Douglas, Lord, he used to play that bass. Lord, he used to play that bass. Ooh, ooh, Lord, I don't for, forgive me, Lord, Lord, please, please take this this spirit of lust that I'm feeling right now away from me, Lord. I just just want to keep this this prayer about these boys. Lord. <laughs> Just keep this prayer about these Lord, these boys. Just Lord, cover these boys and their family. Cover these boys. Cover them like like Walter used to. I'm I'm sorry, Lord. I'm, let me bring it back to this. <laughs> cover these boys, Lord, and their family, Lord. And I pray these things, Lord, in Your Son's name. Amen. 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 <laughs> it sure was nice seeing you. Looking nice and handsome, and I'm gonna leave you back to my grandbaby, Gaelica. Gaelica, these okay, boys ready you. for you. They ready for you, girl. Still going on. Wow, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's classic. Yep. All right. That's too cute. Appreciate you guys for entertaining my grandma. Um, I do want to know how does God's presence look like in your life musically, outside of you know, not personally, but musically. You want to start victorious? Uh, musically, God's presence. I mean, I mean, like I say in one of my flows, I say I got a ghostwriter. 
a holy ghost writer that gives me my fight. Like that's, that's just what it is. He gives me, I don't write this. I don't get no, this is not me. This is not what I'm doing. This is God working through me. I'm just a vessel. So his presence is working through me through the Holy spirit. So day by day, everything I put on paper, or if I put on anything on paper, I mean, everything that comes out of my mouth is from his presence. It's, it's, it's leading its way. And before I write a, any flow or anything like that, I pray over it. Mm -hmm. I say, God, just give me the right words to say. Let me let me bring somebody closer to you. Do not do not let me just glorify myself, but I want to glorify you in every word that I say, every word that I, every lyric that I put down for you. And that's very important is to make sure that I come across as not as myself, but I be a lamp for you. And you know, and have that as you would say that Jesus glow. When you look at me, you see that Jesus glow. You know. Okay. When when I write musically, um, I really enjoy the writing process because that's when I feel like I really experience God a lot and hear Him and hear the Holy Spirit. Also, He communicates with me through dreams a lot as well. Those are two ways that God communicates with me. I think the most. So whenever I get a whenever I get a track to write. I sit down and I just play the track and I and I pray and I just sit and wait. You know, I wait for the Holy Spirit to start giving me the lyrics to say, or a lot of times he'll give me the cadence of how he wants me to spit it. Then after that, he'll give me the give me the words to write. So it's kind of the same thing. The Holy Spirit gives me the ability to write the things that that I write and gives me what he wants me to say to his people. Because like our uncle says on the album, the gift is not for us, it's to bless other people. And yeah. so that the Lord can minister to other people through the music that that we're doing. So that's how it shows up. Also, before I record any song or anything we do, I mean, Vic knows we always pray before we step in the boot. You know what I'm saying? Even when I did other other songs previously with other people and stuff like that, I always stop and say, if we was about to get in the boot with our prayer, I say, hello, can we pray? real quick before we start, because I want God's presence and his anointing to be seen and be felt and be shown and be able to break yokes through the music that we are putting out. Right on. Okay. And now that you guys have um, finished an interview with me, who would you like to see me interview? Whose testimony would you like to hear? I know... On the sorry, sorry, cut you off, Vic. I had watched the video and you had asked somebody about that on there, so I was ready for it. <laughs> um, I don't know if you interviewed Fanatic before, but Fanatic from the Cross Movement. Um, I really like him. I really have always liked his lyricism and delivery. He's in my top of rappers of all time. You know my top list. So plus, like Cross Movement is they got me started when I heard I heard Christian rap before Cross Movement came out. Yeah. But I wasn't really feeling it. I felt like it was corny. But when Cross Movement came out, New Light Christian Center was playing Cross Movement in the Storm, Team Ministries and stuff like that. That's when I'm like, okay, these boys jamming. I think I might be able to get with them. I might be able to do this. So I really like to hear you do um, interview Fanatic. Yeah, they're legendary. I would love to do any interview with anybody from Cross Movement. But yeah, for sure. Okay, Fanatic, do you have anyone in mind, Vic? Uh, actually, I would like you to do... Uh... The new cool, if you heard of them. The new, uh, it's a group. Yeah, it's a group out of Houston. Okay. New cool. Uh, one thing about it, uh, one of the guys that's in it, we used to be in a group. Uh, 
a group a while back ago called Heroes, and we was also doing circles together for a long time too. But one thing about it, they're very anointed, mm-hmm. real good music. You can look, you can go online or YouTube, anything like that, and go to the new cool, the new cool. And once you go in there, they got a they got a song called Church in the Bando. They got a song called uh, uh, I'm just saying a song from there. It's a it's a pretty they they pretty they're pretty dope. And I would like yeah. to do do theirs. They're real good guys, so I think you'll mm-hmm. enjoy. We'll have to look them up. Well, I definitely appreciate you guys taking the time to sit down and talk with me. No problem. We appreciate you giving yeah. us the opportunity on your platform to let us come here and be able to, you know, do this. And one thing, like I always say, with every every interview we do, I always say we want to leave you with a blessing and thank you for everything you're doing. And hopefully, God, we want God to just bless your your platform and and let everything, you know, be the way you know you want it to do. If you mind, do you mind me praying for you? No, I don't mind at all. Thank you. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we come here right now, Father God, on this platform that this young lady is doing, Father God. Bless it, Father God. Let it be great. Let it be to a point that it gets to it gets to every aspect of every every airwave, every every stream, Lord, every social media, Father God. Let her get on a level that yes, she will have her own. Her own television show, Father God, that she has on a network, a major network, Father God, that she be able to do what she loves doing in your name, Father God. Lift her up, Father God. Put your hand upon her, Father God. Let every door open, Father God. Every door that she knocks on, let it shall be open, Father God, because we know you can, Father God. So open up every single aspect of every single ability that she has, because she's blessed and highly favored, Father God. So let her cup run over, Lord. And she go through this day, Father God. Help her, keep her, cover her family, cover her anything that she put her hands to, Father God. You put your hand on it also, because if you put your hand on it, Lord, it's gonna be successful, Father. Yes, we Father thank God. you. And we thank you for this young lady, Father, for everything you, that Father. she has done and given the time and let us be let us be on her platform, Father God. Yes, God. She showed us what we're doing, Father God. But we want to bless her for what she's doing, Father God. So put your hand upon everything she do. Let everything she do be successful, Father God. Everything she touches, Father God. Let the doors be open, Father God, and let the floodgates of blessings come upon her, come upon her, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we ask and pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Hey, what's up? Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for watching the show. However you consume us, thank you. Please subscribe to the show. And if you really enjoy the content, please leave a review. It really does help with the ranking of the show. And if you want to go an extra mile, share the show. Share this episode. And for all things testimony, visit testimonystories.com. Until next time, I'm Gilika Brown, the music lover constantly seeking positive music.